0: Well, oh, I'm so excited to share a little bit uh, with you as we close out a series called The Blessed Life. But I do want to just kind of let you know, today is what we call Legacy Sunday. And if you're wondering what that is, if you're new to the church, that's okay, I'll explain it to you. But what Legacy Sunday is, is that we take uh, two offerings a year, one in May and one in December, and these offerings are specific to something that we're doing as a church. And that is, uh, as any young couple wants to, at some point, maybe buy a house, they start to save. OK, well, we don't own this house. And one of the things is, is that we feel like God is prompting us to begin to think about us buying a house someday. And so what we're doing is we're putting money back in order to do that. And so all of the money today that goes to legacy will go to that uh, new house that we buy. And so when you came in, there's a there's a card, uh, a legacy envelope there. And so if you want to write a check and you can put it in that envelope, uh, you can also give digitally. You can do that um, by simply texting. Uh, and those those that information will come up later, but you can text and just put legacy in there and, and all of that will get square. Okay. So I just want to let you know that that's what we're doing today. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. But I wanted you to kind of be aware that today is Legacy Sunday. And I'm so excited about it. I'll just let you in on something that that I think is really cool. It's like, I mean, people are already giving to it. And so even before this offering, we're already seeing that. And last time we brought in around $24,000 in one offering, which was amazing. Uh, And at this point, I was just looking at the data. Uh, There are people so excited about doing this that we've currently brought in around 7,000, which is about 30% of what we, we brought in last time already. Come on. And so, that should be an encouragement to all of us. So let's continue to give faithfully and do exactly what God tells us to do. We don't do it because we have to. We don't do it because somehow the preacher's twisting our arm. We do it because we want to, because God has done everything for us. And so everything is unto him. And so why not? Why don't we just love him and love his church the way he tells us to? And so just do that and uh, you will experience the joy and the blessing of God. Okay? All right, well, let me pray for us just before we start. Jesus, thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for what you teach us in your word. God, we know today that you have something to say. And so, Father, we're open and we're ready and we want to hear. And if that is you, just simply say, Lord, I'm in. Thank you, Jesus, I'm in. We love you so much. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever wished... That you can multiply your money am i the only one (laughs) i mean i think all of us has wished at some point that how do i multiply this money if i could just multiply it right uh here's the thing i want to tell you and this is you got to get this is that god is able to do it did you know that like here wait wait a second yeah the god of the universe that does all things, that created all things, that, you know, the one that spoke, and it was. That God has the ability, and this shouldn't shock us, should it? That somehow that God has the ability to multiply what we currently have. Now, in order to see that happen, we've gotta do things the way that God has set it up to be done. Because what God won't do is bless something that is in opposition to what he has already told us to do. And I know that all of us want to be blessed. I've mentioned that several times. And every time I've said, hey, do you want to be blessed? Everybody's hand goes up. And if your hand doesn't go up, then something's probably wrong with you. Because nobody wants to walk through life and not be blessed. And all that means is, is that we have the supernatural power of God working in our lives and on our resources and on our families and on all the stuff that is what we are. Does that make sense? And so we need that in our life. We all want that in our life. And so what I want to do today is not just talk about being blessed, because we've been talking about that for the last four, series, or four weeks, but I do want to focus our time on something called multiplication. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to do your times tables in public or anything like that. Some of you probably could still do it. Some of you probably couldn't. Matter of fact, there's a few I probably wouldn't get. But we all know what multiplication is, and we all know what this means to multiply. What would it be like if that was our experience with all of our resources, with all of our relationships? Come on. With everything that we touched, that there was a multiplication factor on it. Man, I don't know about you, but that's a game changer, isn't it? Isn't that a game changer? So what I want to do is I want to draw your attention to the gospel of Luke. And so in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, uh, I want to read something to you. But before I get to that, I want to just share something with you about the New Testament. In the New Testament, there are f- the first four books of the New Testament are called the Gospels. And I don't know if you know that term, but they're called the Gospels. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And here's the cool thing about those books, is that they have different stories about Jesus. But they also have stories that are similar. And so here's kind of how I like to explain it to people is that if you have a four way stop, okay, and Matthew is standing on the corner. okay, now Mark is standing on the other corner, but he's a little further down the street. John is on the other corner and he's maybe even further down the street, you know, and then Luke is over here and he's like right there real close, you know, and here's the thing. The event is happening at the four way stop. Jesus. And each of them have a lens at which you're seeing it. The Gospels then help us see the lens that they are looking at it, and they share stories that maybe uh, the other one didn't share. Or they share stories in a different way in order to enhance what Jesus was saying. Does that make sense? So what I want to do today is I want to spend a little time wandering through these four gospels around the same story because this particular story is in all four gospels. And what's cool about that is it allows you to see it from different angles, different vantage points, and to gain new insight as you do. And so what I want to do is look here at Luke chapter nine. And I don't know if you've ever heard this story. You may have, you may have taught this or somebody's taught it to you, or maybe you've read it yourself, but it's such a fascinating story of where Jesus is doing ministry and they run into a problem. Isn't it true in life? We run into problems. We run into things that need to be solved. And just like any uh, follower, they would go to their leader and say, hey leader, we, we got a problem. We need some help. We need to figure this out, and that's kind of what we see happening here in the Gospels. And so, uh, let's look here at Luke chapter nine, Luke chapter nine, verse twelve. Watch this: when the day began to wear away, so so you know it was late into the in, into the afternoon, maybe getting close to evening. The twelve came to him to Jesus and said, "Send the multitude away, that they may go to the surrounding towns and country." and lodge and get provision, for we are in a deserted area. So the disciples, being very intelligent people, they went to Jesus, said, hey, this has kind of been going on a while, you know? You've been teaching a long time, and and these people are going to start getting hungry. They're going to start wanting to maybe take a nap or maybe even go to bed. And so the disciples come to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, hey, 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 uh, we probably need to, you know, we probably need to close it down. You know what I mean? Can you imagine? Jesus, uh, you know, you've know, you been preaching a while now. Um, there are people that are getting hungry. There are people that that maybe need a place to sleep. And so they go to Jesus and they say, hey, so, so we're kind of in a deserted area too. And they're going to need to be able to walk and get their provision and all this stuff. And then verse 13, watch this. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. So he didn't say, okay, guys, I hear you. That's a great idea. It's very practical. (laughs) It's very practical. You know, no, no. He says, no, no, you guys give them something to eat. And they said, this is, watch this. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. So you have a lot of people, he's about to tell us, but you have, they have no more than five loaves and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all these people, hmm, we, how are we going to do that, Jesus? But then watch this in verse 14. Watch. For there were about 5,000 men. Now, in Luke, he says there's about 5,000 men. Watch this. If we go to Matthew, Matthew 14, 21, look at this. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. So Matthew includes that there not only were men, but there were units. There were family units. There were men there were women and there were children and so the reality is is that there's a good chance that there were probably twenty five thousand people hanging out listening to jesus teach on the side of a hill i mean that's pretty significant can you get that get your brain around that i mean i don't even know how much the scott trade center is it called that anymore (laughs) enterprise center i'm not sure exactly how many people can fit in that you know it's probably what how many of course she knew that she's a blues fan. And so so think about that stadium being full of people, right? Just being full of people. And 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 so if you were here here let me let me let's do this. Put yourself in the story. Right? Just put yourself in the story. You're a disciple, you're talking to Jesus, you have this practical idea, you go to Jesus, you tell Jesus what you, what you think and Jesus says, "You guys take care of that." And you're thinking, "Huh?" how in the world are we going to solve this problem? Now, look at this. In Luke 9, uh, 14 and 17, we'll go a little bit further. Then his disciples, are in. then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. Look at that. So Jesus says, make them sit down in groups of 50. So he gives them some instruction. And they did so and made them all sit down. Verse 16, then he took five loaves and two fish and looking to heaven, he blessed and he broke them and he gave them to the disciples. And he, he and, and, and watch this. And to set before the multitudes, verse 17. So they all ate and were filled and 12 baskets were left over. 12 baskets. There were fragments of this bread left over and fish left over and they were taken up by them. Now put yourself in the story again. That's a pretty amazing thing to have just have happened. So you went to Jesus. You said, things are getting late. We need to kind of shut this thing down. Jesus says, you need to do something about that. So the disciples come up with the plan of like, we've got to find five loaves and five fish. or They've got to find something. So they probably found some little kid, you know, maybe he had a a little snack pack or something. Little Long John's, two fish, some hush puppies. And and they take it from him. Now the kid, they just took it from him and said, give me that. Jesus needs it. And they go to Jesus and they said, this is what we have. <laughs> and Jesus is like, okay, that's enough. Isn't that interesting? That's what they had. That's all they had. Let me say it again. That's all they had. But one thing I've learned is that anything in the hands of Jesus is possible. I mean, that's what I've learned in my life. That anything I have, whether it's a snack pack or it's a full bank account. It's all possible when it's in the hands of Jesus. Luke 9, verse 12, watch this. When the day began to wear away, it was late in the evening. Jesus has been preaching a long time. I mean, think about this. He started preaching in the afternoon. He keeps preaching. He keeps preaching. He keeps preaching. It's like, okay, we're at, we're at, we're at, we're at a noon, Jesus. Okay, keeps going. It's, it's one o'clock now, Jesus. Oh, it's, okay, it's two o'clock now, Jesus. And that's what the Bible's saying, is it, it got to four o'clock. Oh, Jesus. He's still talking. Five o'clock. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the disciples huddling, right? The committee getting together, trying to solve the problem that Jesus was creating. Isn't that true? Like, what's what we do? It's like, there, there's a problem. we got to solve this problem. And I, I don't know if um, you've ever heard this, but, but, you know, in groupings of animals, you know, like if you're, did you know a grouping of animals, like a rhino, a grouping of rhinos is called a crash? <laughs> yeah, isn't that cool? Like, I'm a part of a crash. <laughs> but did you know a group of buzzards? It's called a committee. Now, that's funny. That's funny. And so the disciples were trying to figure out how to get Jesus to understand that that this, you got to wrap this up, Jesus, because we got things to do. We've got to help these people. And I don't know, depending on on how your personality is, you know, how practical you are, you know, maybe you're thinking through the process or maybe you're like, I don't even care. We're just having a good time. You know, I don't know. But I guarantee you in the group of disciples, there were probably a few that were like, hey, you gotta wrap this up. You gotta wrap this up, Jesus. You're creating some real issues here. Now look this in Mark's gospel, Mark 6, 34, when Jesus landed and he saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so, in other words, this is kind of backing up a little bit before he starts to preach. And he looks at this large crowd that had gathered and he says, man, I have compassion on these people. They're like a, a sheep without a shepherd. I've got to do something about that. And so it says that he began to teach them many things. And as he did, people were there all day getting hungry. Come on. I mean, some of you struggled just like, if church goes past noon, you're like, I, I, have, to, I have to leave. Uh, matter of fact, I can't even attend this church anymore. It's just you've gone too far, pastor. And then Jesus just keeps going, keeps, keeps going, keeps going. And then in Luke, watch this, Luke 9, 13. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. They didn't have anything to, to work with. They had to figure that out. And so Jesus is telling them, you do something. All these people are hangry. All these people are struggling. And he says to them, hey, I want you to do something. I want you to do this and do this and do this. And and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the problem that they were experiencing, the problem they were experiencing starts to get solved because they were willing to offer to Jesus what they had. Now, look, look. John's gospel goes on to say it this way. He says in John 6, 7 through 9, he says, Philip answered him. Uh, Philip was practical. Any practical people in the room? Philip, Philip says this. It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one of these people to have a bite. Very practical, right? Now, I don't know about you, but, but I, I found that sometimes I can be like that. Some of us can be that way more than others. We only look at what's real. We only look at the bottom line. But can I can I just let you in on a little secret? This is a faith journey. Jesus invites us into a faith journey. It's not just about looking at what's real. It's not just looking at the facts. Now, the facts are important. The facts are our friends. But we also have to remember that we're a people of faith. And so what you see here is that, that Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he spoke up, and this is in verse 8. He spoke up, and it says, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. Remember when I told you they went and they took the boy's snack pack? So they got real practical. They took his snack pack, and they said, Jesus, this is what we have. This is what we have. What do you want to do with it? Here's the thing that you have to see here. When they took that snack pack from the boy, and they gave it to Jesus, The situation changed. But here's the thing that you have to see is that this boy, and he didn't even know it, but the miracle was in his hand. Do you understand? The miracle was in the boy's hand. He didn't even know that the miracle was in his hand. And when the disciples grabbed hold of it and took it to Jesus, because if you take it to Jesus, it's possible and the boys, all of a sudden, like, oh, wow. I, I just thought they were two, two, two loaves and, you know, five loaves and a couple fishy sticks. And, you know, fishy sticks. You guys eat those? Man, I used to pound some fish sticks when I was in college. I love fish sticks. Anybody else love the fish sticks? Come on. Put a bunch of ketchup and... Oh. All right. That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> But here's the thing the boy didn't understand. He didn't understand that the miracle was in his hands. And so I ask you, do you understand that the miracle is in your hand? We're looking to Jesus, right? It's like, Jesus, will you give us a miracle? Jesus, will you give it? But in, this is what you've got to see, is that the miracle is right there. It's in your hand. See, see, here's, a, here's another way to say it. Your potential becomes purpose. When you allow God to use it to provide for others. Listen, let me say that again. Your potential, what's in your hand, becomes purpose when you allow God to use it in order to provide for others. Do you understand? So so, so the miracle doesn't happen in our hand. The miracle has to go to be released, to be offered in order for it to what? provide for others and that's where the multiplication is and you see it in the story and I'll explain it a little bit better in just a second but I want you to see that and so in verse 8 it says then Andrew said to Simon Peter or Andrew's brother spoke up he said this young boy has five barley loaves and two fish and he says but what good is that with this huge crowd so he's just looking at the crowd he's saying there's 25,000 people this is all I have have you ever had that thought? Have you ever thought that, that that situation was so big and you looked at it and you were like, I, I, I don't know what to do with this, Jesus. It's too big. This is all I have, Jesus. <laughs> this is where it gets good. Come on, think about this. You know where we're going, right? Is that, 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 that what I have in my hand is more than enough. When it's given to the Lord. And so when we really begin to understand this story, we start to, to see not just reality, but the possibility. We begin to look with faith eyes. We begin to see what God could do. And, 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 and here's the thing that I've learned is, is that some of us need to stop giving or stop grieving. Let me say that again. Stop grieving what we've lost. We need to stop grieving what we've lost and start looking at what we have. Because the miracle is in what we have, not what we've lost. And so when you think about the world we're in today, all you hear is what we've lost. And we focus on it and we grieve it and we wish it would be different and we wish it would someday go back to what it was. And friends, what's happening is the enemy is destroying us as a people. He's destroying us as a country. He's destroying us as families because we're focused (laughs) off what we've lost. (laughs) Guys, we've got to start seeing what we have. Because what we have in our hand is enough. And when we put it in Jesus' care, everything becomes possible. Oh, isn't that good? Oh, I I hope you're getting this. And Jesus says to his disciples, he says, okay, guys, I see. I understand. Philip, I get you, brother. I get you. I understand why you're looking at just the fish. (laughs) I get it. But he says, okay, here's the deal. I want you to do something. So in Luke 9, 14, he says this. And then he said to the disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. Here's the first principle of multiplication that you have to see. Here it is. Number one is there has to be order before it can multiply. There has to be order before it can multiply. Because you notice in the story, Jesus says, okay, look, this is what I want you to do. Bring some order to the 25,000. <laughs> Can you picture it? They don't have amps. They don't have microphones. Hey, everybody, listen up. I know there's 25,000 of you, but you need to listen up. We need everybody to start getting in groups of 50. Can you picture it? 12 men walking around this crowd saying, hey, oh, I need you to get, get in group.' Well, I don't want to get in a group of 50 I don't want to get in this group or that. group. Matter of fact, that person, I don't even like them. I don't want to be in their group. Does that sound like anybody, you know? Because I don't know about you, but people don't like to be told what to do. I'll go a step further. Church people don't like to be told what to do. Can you believe it? Because we have all these things going around. Oh, I just this and this and this. And I don't like that. And oh, pastor, you, uh, did you know that I, did you, I have an allergy. And I cannot be that by, you, you know what I'm getting at. Because see, we don't want order. We want to do it our way. And, and Jesus says, do it this way. He says, put them in groups of 50. Get, get, get groups of 50 going on. And you know one of the things I've learned <laughs> about church people? Come on, I'm just picking on you a little bit. You're all right. I love you. I love you. But one thing I've learned is that the only thing you got to do to become an expert at church is attend. Selah. <laughs> it's crazy that people think they're experts at church and they have an opinion about everything, but yet they've never done church at all. They've never led an organization. They've never led the church. That pastor, he should be okay. I got it. I got it. Just sit down in your group of 50. Because see, we, Jesus says, sit down in a group, have him sit down in a group of 50. Bring some order to this thing. And watch this. It's so good. Psalm 37, 34. Don't be impatient for the Lord to act. How many of us want Jesus to do it when we say, Jesus, do it? He's not your monkey. When you say jump, Jesus don't go, okay. So, 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 so he says, don't be impatient for the Lord to act keep traveling steady what's that mean keep going in the same direction keep being obedient keep having faith trusting that God's going to show up you keep moving in the same direction traveling steady along his pathway and in due season it says in due season in due season he will honor you with every blessing and you will see the wicked destroyed Oh, I love that. If you keep walking, if you keep walking in faith, eventually what you hope to see will actually become a reality. Come on. Oh, that's so good, guys. I hope you're getting this. I hope you're getting this. This structure preceded the miracle. There needed to be some structure. You've heard me talk about budgets before. Sometimes we need a budget. And that budget provides an avenue for us to experience the multiplication in our life. But if we're not willing to put it in order, then what happens is we're not able to experience all that God wants us to experience. Watch this in 1 Corinthians 14, 33 and, and, and verse 40. Watch this. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. So wherever you see disorder, that's not God. Let me say that again. Wherever you see disorder, the Bible says that's not God whether that's in your world around you, whether that's in your family, whether that's over here or over there, that's what the Bible says. In verse 40, but be sure that everything is done properly in its order. So in other words, God created a focus. He created a plan. He created a purpose. He created an order. We've talked about spiritual order. We've talked about order in our finances. We've talked about all the order that God brought to a chaotic world. And God wants us to make sure that we're doing those things because see, disorder is outside of God's character. And it's not something that he blesses because God has created a standard. That's the first, that's the first principle of multiplication. And all of us, I guarantee, want some multiplication in our life. And we need some order. And so Jesus put them in groups of 50. Number two, number two. Second principle of multiplication. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. Well, what do you mean by that? Look at this in Luke 9, through uh, nine, verse 16. Watch this. And he took the five loaves and two fish, and he looked up to heaven. What did he do? It says he blessed it, and then he broke it. He blessed it, and then he broke it. Once it was blessed, it was able to be multiplied. Does that make sense? And we'll get to that because you see the multiplication. We've already finished the story. You know it happened. And so, 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 so what happens is it's blessed. Stay with me. It's blessed and then it can be multiplied. But it doesn't mean it's going to be multiplied. That's important. You have to see the potential is there. Because just because it has the blessing doesn't mean it's going to be multiplied. And this is important. You get this. And so what do you mean by that? Well, pastor, what are you saying about this whole blessing thing? Well, the Bible says that in order to have God's blessing on your life, you have to do what? You have to honor him what? I'm glad one person has gotten it over the last few weeks. What is it we got to do? We got to honor God what? It's called the principle of the first. First. God wants to be first in our finances. He wants to be first in our families. He wants us to be first in everything that we do, every decision that we do. God wants to be first, and he's deserving of being first in our lives. And what happens is when we give to God first, the Bible says that it's blessed. This is important because your tithe can be blessed but not multiply. This is important. This is why I'm teaching you this principle because I want you to be blessed. I want want you to be blessed by tithing unto the Lord and doing the things he tells you to do and God will bless you. He says it in his word, but it doesn't mean it'll multiply. And this is why we got to get the principles of multiplication. The first is order. The second is that that has to be blessed. And then watch this. The third principle of multiplication, and this word all comes together. Stay with me. The third principle of multiplication is this. It has to be given away before it can multiply. And let me explain what I mean by that. Watch this. Luke 9, 16 says, He took the five loaves and, he, and, the, and the two fish, and He looks up to heaven, He blesses it, and He broke it, and he, he broke them, and He gave them to His disciples to set before the multitude. What did Jesus do after He blessed it? He gave it. He blessed it, He broke it, and He gave it. The disciples receive it, and they go out to the crowd to give it to the multitude. Now, remember, they're going out to the crowd with what? Five loaves and two fish. So literally, can you, make, can you picture it? You walk into the big arena. <laughs> and, and, and you're like, okay, guys, I, I'm i not sure what we do here. Uh, why not, we've got five, so why don't you take a little? Come on, you take a little. And you take a little, and you go there, and I'll go here, and you go there. Can you imagine? It's just so the disciples are going to the, the, to the first person in the row. Maybe they're just sitting on the ground. They're going to say, uh, you can have some, but hey, take a small piece. Put yourself in the story. Here, you, t- you take a small piece. And you, oh, you take a small piece too, okay? You, you, no, that's, no, that's too big. That's too big. Put, put some of that back. This is not your meal. Just give me, come on, give me that back. Can you picture it? It took faith for the disciples to even walk out to the crowd. Like to even show up. it took faith to walk out with only five loaves and say, "Here, And you know what happens? The moment they start to offer it, they're going down the row. Take a little bit, take a little bit, take a little bit. All of a sudden, it starts to multiply. And then by the time they get to the end of the row, they're probably like, okay, you can have a whole piece. And you can have a whole piece. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna go back to these people. They're sorry about that. I, I know you got a little bit, but I've got better faith now. And, and so here you go. And and they're going down the whole thing, and they're they're doing it, they're doing it, you know. And, 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 and what's happening is the multiplication is happening once it what is given was blessed. Jesus gave it. His disciples had a choice. They could have not given it, and the miracle would have never occurred because the miracle was where? In their hand. And once they gave it, everything changed. Guys, we've got to get a hold of this truth. We've got to understand that the miracle. the miracle was not in the master's hand. Did you see it? The miracle was actually in the disciple's hand. Once it was blessed and given, and friends, can you imagine a life where not only you're blessed, but you're willing to give it away? And the upside down idea of the kingdom that Jesus ushered into the world 20 or 2,000 years ago, was that it's better to give than to receive. And when you do it, you will experience God on a level you've never experienced Him before, and you will watch Him show up in areas of your life you've never seen before. You will have the blessing of God and the multiplication power of God on your finances and on everything else because when you put Him first, He blesses the rest. You get it? Man, guys, I hope you're getting this. Luke 9, 17 says it this way. Hmm. (laughs) So good. So they all ate and were filled. And watch this. And 12 baskets of leftover fragments were taken up by them. There were leftovers. And, you know, I've bagged out leftovers (laughs) through this series, you know. But there were leftovers. And here's the only leftovers that I like. Do you notice how many baskets there were? Twelve. Twelve baskets. How many disciples were there? Twelve. Do you see what I'm getting at? Jesus wants you to have a full basket. He wants you to have a full basket. Why? So you can just get fat and eat a bunch of bread and fish? No, no, no. So you can what? Experience the miracle so that you can experience the multiplication power of God in your life. That's why he gives you the potential to have a full basket. Oh, friends, this is where it happens. This is where the miracles happen. This is where the supernatural power of God starts to happen. It's not just when we do our duty. It's not just when we return to God the tithe. It's when we finally understand that it's all his anyway. It's when we finally say, you know, Lord, you can have the tithe. And matter of fact, you can have everything else. Why? Because you are worth everything to me. Oh, God, that we would get this revelation. That we would understand what God is saying, because if we don't learn to give it away, we'll never experience the multiplication power of God. And let me just ask you this. And... Can we get personal for just a second? I just, I have one question I want to ask us. And I think it's an important question for all of us to answer. Are we eating what should be given away? Are we eating what should be given away? And if that is the case, I promise you, you will never experience this principle in your life. Because that's how God set it up. And it's not because He's mean. It's because he's a God of order. And he loves us enough to create some boundaries for us so we can all thrive. Isn't it true that kids thrive better with a little discipline? With little boundaries, set them up, right? Same is true of God's kids. Because we are some rebellious people. Come on. And so God sets up this order for us. And he says, hey, make sure you're doing the right thing here. And so I want to I end with a few scriptures and then we'll be done but I want to share this in Psalm 112 verse 9 because it really gets to the heart of what today is about, this idea of legacy. But listen to this, and this is in verse 17. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Would you say that there are people in our city that are in need? Yeah. Do you say there's people in this country that are in need? Yep. This world? Yep. So, God has set it up that his church would be a place to help provide for the needs of people. That's how he set it up. Then he goes on, he says, their good deeds will be remembered forever. Isn't that amazing? That's the legacy. In other words, when we get serious about not only returning to God the tithe, but when we get serious about seeing the multiplication power of God happen by us giving away to the needs of the world... All of a sudden now, friends, we're leaving a legacy. We're not building bigger barns for ourselves. We're now doing something. We're now investing in the only thing that is eternal. And that's people. That's the only thing that will last into eternity. And so when we invest in people, we are doing what God has called us to do. And we are leaving a legacy. The Bible says we will be remembered. And then then the Bible ends with this. It says they will have influence and honor. You want influence? Then you learn this principle. You want honor? You do it God's way. And then all of a sudden, this stuff starts to happen. (laughs) This stuff starts to happen. And I don't know about you, but I think sometimes we just get too comfortable, don't we? We get too comfortable about the kingdom of God. We get too comfortable about all the needs. And we get overwhelmed by all the needs. And we say, it's just too much. It's too much. And it is too much. (laughs) But what's in your hand? You don't have to do what other people are doing. You just simply have to offer what's in your hand. And can you imagine if there was all the people in here, everybody in here started to just offer what was in their hand? It would be a game changer for this city because God takes what's in your hand and he reaches 25,000. Can you do the math? If let's say there's a 100 people in here and you give it away and God does 25,000 with it, whoa. Can you imagine where we would be and what we would be doing if God's people would just start saying, yes, Lord, I trust you more than anything. No, no, you have all the bread you want. You have all the bread you want because I believe in a God that can. I believe in a God that has all that I need. Friends, oh, I hope you're gathering hold of this and just holding tightly because the devil wants to steal it from you he so wants these seeds to fall on bad soil because there's only one being in this world that wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God wants to give you. You know, there's a guy named David in the Bible. And David was a leader of Israel. And there was a point in his life where he decided, I'm going to build a house for the Lord. He's like, I I, want to build a house for the Lord. And so what he does is he starts talking to the people about it. And I'll just read a few of these verses to you. Listen to this. Moreover, because I have set my affections on the house of God. David has set his affections on the house of God. He loved God and he was was in. (laughs) He says, I have given to the house of my God over and over, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. So what he's saying is I've given more than what I was supposed to. And the reason I did that is because my affections were for the house of the Lord. More than anything else, Lord, my affections were for you. It doesn't stop there. He keeps going. In 1 Corinthians 29, five, he says, who then is willing to consecrate himself for this day of the Lord? So he doesn't stay with himself. He goes to the people. He says, is anybody else with me? Does anybody else believe what I believe? Does anybody else have faith to believe? And and, is anybody else have an affection for the house of the Lord like I do? And he goes to the people and he says this. Then watch this. Then the leaders and the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. Now, how'd they give willingly? they gave towards the work on the temple of the Lord. See, they're building the temple. And then in verse 9, the people rejoiced at the willing response of the leaders, and for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David, the king, also rejoiced greatly. Verse 17, All these things I have given willingly, and with honest intent, and now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Do you see that? Do you see the concentric circles? It starts with David. It starts for David's affection for the house. And he goes to the people and he says, hey, leaders, hey, officials, hey, teachers, do you you have the same affection that I have for the house of the Lord? Do you have the same affection for the mission of God that I have? Do you have the same affection for the people in need that I have? Then he says, "Will will you consecrate yourself? Will you consecrate yourself? And they say, oh yeah, we're in. And they start to consecrate themselves and they start to give. And then you know what happens? The people see it the people see the leaders and they say, I want some of that. Did you know in in May, we received $24,000 in our offering? I shared this. Currently, we've already received about 30% of that already. People have already started putting stuff through digital means. And what I'm saying to you is that that's what's happening there are people seeing what God is doing, and they're already in, and leaders are already leading. They're already putting money out there because, see, we're all on this journey together. And so, as you hear that the leaders are already stepping up, you as a people, then why don't you? Are your affections for the house of the Lord? Then let's do exactly what the Lord has told us to do. And I'll end with this Psalm 107 21 through 22. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Watch this. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Do you know what that's saying? He's saying you bring a thank offering to the Lord. Why? Because he's been so good to you. You give because he's been so good to you. You begin to celebrate because, and he says it's a thank offering Unto the Lord. And so may this be a thank offering unto the Lord. May we, may we give to the Lord because we want to, not because we have to. May we do it because the Lord has told us to do it. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for where they are, what they're trying to accomplish. I thank you for their willingness to even listen to this message. But oh God, I just ask that, that, that our hearts... Our hearts would be about your work. That, that our affections would be for the house of the Lord. God, would you help us here? Lord, we want to consecrate our hearts to you. Lord, would you receive this offering? Would you receive this legacy offering, God? Because we do want to leave a legacy. We want to help people. We want to fulfill your mission. And so, Lord, would you do what only you can do? And as your people give, watch this, as your people give, will you multiply it, God? Will you multiply it? Will you do exponentially more than we can even think or imagine? Jesus, would you do it? Now, just look up here real quick. This is a time for us to offer to the Lord whatever the Lord has prompted us to do. And I just want to encourage you. And I really mean this is this isn't about you doing something you don't feel like you want to do. This is about you doing what the Lord has told you to do and honoring Him in that way. And so there's multiple ways that you can do that. I just want to encourage you, though, when you do that, uh, just make sure you indicate it's for legacy. And so in the envelope, you can do that. You can, obviously, the envelope makes sure. Uh, if you do it digitally, you can just indicate in the digital text that you send, Legacy. You can, you can actually determine it that way, all right? And so I just want to encourage you to do that. Um, I'm going to pray for just a moment. And what, what I'd like for us to do, and I know we've got things to do today, guys, but I want you to take just a holy moment, and I want you to consecrate unto the Lord your heart and your commitment to the house of the Lord, and then simply do whatever it is that he tells you to do. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your people. I ask, God, that you would receive this offering, that you would do great things with it. Father, as we quiet our hearts and as we consecrate ourselves unto your house again, unto the things of God, we ask that your will would be done and that your mission would advance. In Jesus' name, amen.